You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 283. Hello, everybody. I am excited to be here. This odd-numbered episode 283, we have a guest on the show. We'll introduce him in one moment. I am so excited. I, I said last week I was excited for our guest. You were excited. I am you are more excited now. Super excited. I mean, I'm uh, excited too. To, to have, I'll just introduce him right now. We have Matt Riddle on the show, one half of the Pinchback and Riddle duo, who has released so many games, designed so many games that we know and love. How you doing tonight? Excellent. Thank you. That is a wonderful, wonderful intro. I appreciate that. And I couldn't be more happy to be here. <laughs> so we were talking before the show about the fact that I do this thing about facts every yes. week on the Family Gamers podcast related to our number 283. Here is our fact this week. In December of 2021, recently, That's very a recent. new land speed record was set <laughs> by this maniac riding a motorcycle. <laughs> Was he going 283 miles At per hour? 283 miles per hour. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it is a Voxman Wattman electric motorcycle. The old land speed record was 254. It has been specially wow. modified. Uh, it's actually three bikes in streamlined, partially streamlined, and standard form. It was built to be the fastest electric motorcycle in the world. It is cooled by dry ice. And uses a 425 horsepower, 317 kilowatt battery. (laughs) Wow. The motor is four times as powerful as most flagship electric motorcycles. The battery capacity is roughly equivalent to today's leading consumer electric motorcycles. The major difference is that the Voxen Wattman consumes much of its battery power in a few runs. Compared to like actually running for a you know a period of time. Yeah, it's not it's not about you know having hours and hours and hours of charge to run on, right? Right. So this is the uh, fastest like sustained average speed. Apparently, he actually broke two hundred ninety miles an hour on this wow. bad boy. So in uh, just two and a half months ago, a new land speed record at two hundred eighty three miles per hour. This Max Biaggi is this guy's name. Uh, He's crazy. I, he sounds crazy. He's crazy. So uh, anyway, I wanted to I wanted to get something motor related (laughs) for Matt Riddle, who, of course, hails from the Motor City, Detroit. All right. And that's my fact for 283. That's fast. That is so (laughs) I mean, I I think I went one hundred and ten once in a car. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was going to die. (laughs) like two and a half times plus yeah when i was in college i had just gotten i just purchased a volkswagen jetta at this point it was six years old i went up to canada and i was driving from i was driving west on the highways in canada between you know the border at vermont across to hull ontario which is a couple hundred miles of nothing and I was like, well, it's a newish car to me. You know, I'm going to find out how fast this goes. The answer is 120 miles an hour. And answer number two is I will never do that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which number makes one. me happy because I didn't even know you yet, but I would have been concerned, of, <clears throat> especially like sustained oh, yeah. 120 yeah. miles an hour 
yeah. would say I went 120 for a solid 15 minutes. <laughs> and it wasn't bad enough that it was absolutely terrifying. But when I finally got off the highway and I had to scrub the bugs off the windshield, it took like 20 minutes <laughs> because they were so plastered on there. Uh, cemented oh, it was on. Gross. It was gross. <laughs> well, before we move into what we've been playing, let me take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, First Move Financial. First Move Financial offers financial planning for all stages of life, and they ask, what's your first move? You can go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers and set up a free 15-minute call today. All right. Thanks so much to the team at First Move Financial. So now we are going to talk about that thing that we do every week. We're going to talk about some games that we have been playing. Mr. Riddle, sir, Yeah. what games have you been playing? So I got to play something that I had played once before. And I wasn't sure I liked it, so I always like to get a second play when I had that hap- happen to me. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, Twantin Suyu. So it's a... I'm not sure. Are you familiar with that one at all? No. no. Okay, so it's from... It's that... The game... It's a series of games designed by, I think, primarily the Italian group of designers that often work together. I believe this one was David Terzi. Was okay. the lead designer on this one. You know, so it's like Taya to walk in... And um, a lot, they're all kind of heavy Euros. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think Marco Polo is technically part of it, I believe. And then Te Tawakin was kind of the first really big one. That said, it's a very much a two hour, relatively heavy Euro. Not my favorite heavy Euro I've ever played, but a pretty darn good one. So okay. it falls firmly to that category of a pretty good, which I think is okay. You know, because not <laughs> every game can be great. And it certainly wasn't bad, but, you know, it's got a very convoluted sort of. Uh, We'll call it action selection mechanic where you're, you know, kind of spreading out around a temple and then based on adjacency, there's some things that trigger your actions kind of for that round. But it's a, it's it's fun if, you know, any of your audience is looking for a heavy year, that's kind of one of the newer ones from 2021, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's it's solid. It's a solid game. And who uh, publishes that? That is uh, Board and Dice. Okay. So Board and Dice has a whole line of games, you know, from you know, several of those folks. Again, I, I think it's a kind of a crew that often work together. So it's they they all very much fit in that you know that kind of medium plus heavy euro kind of space. Cool. Yeah, I we I wish I still could play games like that. I have purged half of the games that are like that from our collection because I never get them to the table. Um, someday when you go to a convention that's about playing games again, you can play games like that. All right, that sounds awesome. <laughs> right? I, I mean, like. I understand the appeal of those kind of games, but I've played a few and I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> Anitra plays games to relax. <laughs> I, I have played Tolkien. I have played Teotihuacan. Have you? I played Teotihuacan on a oh, on board game arena. Right. Um, yep, yep. Yeah. And they're fine. And I, I will go along if that's what my friends want to play. Yeah. But yep. yeah, that's not really my thing. Good call on Zulkin. That's probably the one that's the most famous, I believe. I love that. Yeah, game. no, I, I, I can totally see that. You know, we kind of you know especially ben and i who i primarily design with kind of grew up on those types of games and we kind of started with like everybody else Catan, but then you know we kind of quickly got into the heavier stuff and mm-hmm. i don't get to play games all that often so when i do i, I usually prefer something a little meatier a little heavier so we end sure. up defaulting to those kind of games a lot just because we only get to play games once a month maybe so right. you gotta you want to feel like yeah. you had a good meal <laughs> i get the appeal i'm gonna say first game on my list is 
almost the complete opposite yeah. end of the spectrum, <laughs> um, which was Skulls of Sedlek. Oh, I don't know that one. This is a really cool button shy game that came out in the last oh, year. Oh, yes. Yep. Or maybe maybe it was two years ago now because, you know, COVID made time have no meaning. Uh, well, there were – it's confusing because there were like a bunch of expansions and stuff. There were so a bunch like, of expansions. And I don't think kinda, they eh. came out at the same time as, as the core game. Uh, but button shy also turns stuff around quickly, so I don't know. Anyway, Played Skulls have said, like, this is a, I mean, it's closest to being like a tile laying game where you're making your own little tableau, but it's got this really neat mechanic of you're flipping over two cards from the graveyard and then you pick one to put in your hand, you know, and it's also, it's a different action to take from your hand and put down, but you're making this pyramid of skull cards and you want certain ones to touch each other. It's a cute little, you know, quick game for two or three players. And the luck involved is just the right amount so that you're always like, well, I really want to put it here. But if I do that, I have to hang on to this card longer. And that means I have less flexibility. And Mm -hmm. the back and forth is really nice. So the thing about this, uh, Matt, is um, Anitra is a a mom of three, Mm -hmm. which means that the games that she plays the most are the games that fit in her purse. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is one of the games I've been so, keeping yeah, in my purse so lately. It's, just, yes. it's a button shy, pull it out, and you know, like Tussy Mussy, the game from um, from Elizabeth Hargrave, which yeah. is a fantastic game, is you know gets tons of play. Kintsugi before Tussy Mussy came out used to get yes, tons Kintsugi and tons of play. Used to get a ton. Uh, basically, um, anything that fits in the purse. I mean, because mom, as you know, there is literally a kitchen sink in most mom's purses. So yeah. maybe um, if you could figure out, by the way, how to get Teo to walk into that purse. <laughs> by the way, just to bring it back around, I would be very impressed. Uh, not in that purse, no. <laughs> but the other part of that is usually if I'm pulling out a game like this from my purse, it's to play it with one or two of my children. Mm-hmm. So I played this um, mm-hmm. sitting down for for a quick snack at a local coffee shop with our 11-year-old. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a nice little treat to him. Well, I'm going to go in yet another completely different direction. And uh, I actually played this with you. We played Cuphead, the fast rolling dice game. We did. So I, I, I am a video gamer as well as a board gamer, and I played Cuphead, and I beat Cuphead. Because Which is impressive. I'm, you know, I'm, I guess a, a masochist. Stubborn. I don't know. Uh, I'm also stubborn. <laughs> and so when the op announced Cuphead, the fast rolling dice game, I was completely in love with the idea. I just, I love this art style. I love everything about this kind of classic, very hand-drawn, cartoony kind of kind of thing. And I was genuinely curious how they were going to create a board game that captured that really zany boss rush, which is Cuphead the video game. Mm-hmm. And they did, uh, which is really impressive. Basically, if you're familiar with the game at all, in Cuphead... There's kind of like platforming levels, which are like your standard kind of Mario thing, only more difficult. But then most of the game is these kind of boss rushes where it's a fixed screen and it's you fighting this larger than life boss. And usually it's got three phases to it because that's how you do bosses in video games. And it's just crazy. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of pattern recognition and and there's a lot of just things that you have to do to, to, you know, put enough bullets into the boss and, and kill them. It's not gory. I mean, you're fighting things like cupcakes and carrots and you know i mean it's just weird you know there's a personified like airplane at one point i think yeah but what they did with this game which is really really neat is you can use the there's like an app timer with the game i haven't bothered to download it although i probably should i downloaded it it Um, looks cool we'll use it next time does it use music does it play music it does okay excellent (laughs) 
Because I love the music from Cuphead yes. as well. Okay. But so you have 20 seconds. So what, what happens is you, you're playing a certain boss deck. So there's like seven boss decks in the box. We do the easy version. So we have 20 yeah. seconds. <laughs> and Dumb. you lay out like three or four cards. It, it just depends on some you know restrictions. And they have icons on them, which are icons that you have to match with your dice. And you have 20 seconds to kind of go down the line and match these icons. So yes, I mean, it's it's a lucky, it, like I said, it is the complete opposite of like a Teotihuacan or a Zulkin yeah. or something like that. But you're just like as fast as you can. You're picking up your dice and rolling your dice and, and trying to match these symbols in and, order and all in order and also getting like some finger gun symbols with your fixed dice so that you can deal damage to these bosses. You know, what's funny is I've seen that character, but I didn't know that it was a video game. I, I didn't know what it was. A video yeah. game, a cartoon. Yeah, game, any, I it, is, it is now it is, also a Netflix cartoon. Right. So oh, okay. it's quite good. Um, I, I want to say the game was published by MDHP, I think is the pu- the video game publisher. Uh, they licensed the, like they came up with it whole cloth. That's it, where it started. Yeah, it's been out for about five years. Has it been now? that long? Well, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so then they licensed Cuphead to Netflix. I think Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. yeah. To make a like a TV series because Netflix is buying whatever IP they can get their hands on. Yeah. And the op made this game, but now you're seeing like like Townsfolk Tussle is the same kind of art style. Uh, I know nothing about that board game. Uh, uh, except that it I in like fact the art. is the same kind of art style, but it looks a lot more gory. Like there's dripping blood on the box. Yeah, it looks like vessel. a much more, a much kind of heavier, like both in actual theme and probably also yeah. in mechanics. Yeah, the yeah. thing that that got me about Cuphead, even the video game, the first time I saw it, is I have been trained by the last 15 years of animation that anything in this trying to look like old classic Mickey style of animation tends to be really crude and adult and not for kids at all. And that was not the case for Cuphead. Like the game is really difficult. I'm not sure I would recommend it for kids because it's really hard, but there's nothing in it that was like a, there was no crazy language. There was no gore. Mm -hmm. There's some smoking because it's a, you know, old style of, of animation. And so they're going with that old timey feel. But it was just really weird to me. It did not fit the expectations I have, but it means that then when they turned around and made it a Netflix series, it's rated Y7, and it <laughs> totally fits that. Yeah. Yeah. It, so anyway, so we played that. I think we made it through like three or four of the bosses before we were just like done for the night. I think three of the bosses, and then we took a break. We're going to play it again soon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of – it's got like – so when you beat a boss, you get some coins. You can use the coins to buy weapons to kind of improve mm-hmm. some stuff. So, I mean, it's got some kind of – It's got a little bit of – things, and it's a lot a of callbacks to the A little bit of a campaign-y game. feel to yeah, it, sort just of. like the video game. Like, you could just jump in and play whenever, but – if you're trying to keep track, you are leveling up and getting a little better and right. getting some better tools. And that, you know, and they added on the back, just like a lot of kind of cooperative games, there's sort of a scale of all these different, like how many hit points you have left, how many coins you have, how many parry tokens, and it all boils down to a letter grade from F to A+. So by the way, that's a big thing that the app does for you is it has a spot put in how many players, oh, okay. how, you know, how much time did, you know, how much whatever yeah, it, did you it have left. Math. It does the math. And then it spits Great. out the letter grade for you. I like it. Which is nice. Yeah. So anyway, so that that's that. That was a lot of explanation <laughs> for a, an incredibly simple. We could just, have played it two or three rounds of it in the time that it took. Yeah, to probably. Explain. Yeah. I mean, because you're just like, like we had to get some dice trays or something because, you know, the first time we were just throwing dice all over the place. You're and like, oh, no, you only have 20 seconds. So you're trying to get all this stuff and get it. It was a mess. It was a mess. But yeah, so that's that. I do like speed rolling, so I'm not against it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's different than strike. 
<laughs> that's the other <laughs> dice game that a lot of people seem to like. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's that. Uh, what else do you got? Do you have, any, have anything else? I do. So I played a new game. Uh, it's kind of kind of in the middle of everything we've talked about called Bear Raid, like B E A R Raid, and okay. it's okay. by the it's from uh, BoardGameTables.com, who is kind of a newer publisher. They did uh, you know Kabuto yeah. Sumo and on tour. Uh, they did. Yep, on tour. Yep. Yep. And uh, this is from actually from Ryan Courtney who designed Pipeline, which, if you played Pipeline, is a really good but incredibly heavy economic euro. Like, <laughs> over the top. Like, I mean, it's it's almost too much. Like, you kind of... you're. Tired I remember seeing it and it. being like, no, nah, I'm not going to play this game. Yeah. Well, this is not. This is a, a stock market game, and it's a very true... To kind of call back to a classic card game I played as a kid, like a screw-your-neighbor kind of card game where you're, you're actively trying to hose each other to your own benefit. Mm. Sure. It's a little bit of a tough explanation, I will say, like just to you know maybe warn folks that are getting into it. It's actually quite easy to play. Uh, I think you know Ryan is an incredibly smart, economic-y type person, and maybe the rules reflect that almost too much. <laughs> you know, like, he's using very real language, like short selling and the way you do the stocks and stuff. And it almost oh, sure. kind of once you get into it, though, it's actually pretty. It's just really speculation and dice rolling. So you you've got public shares that are basically tracks in the middle of the table and little tokens that represent stocks. And you're just, there's every round, uh, you know, the value of the pool of dice that are assigned to each stock will either improve the price or, or hurt the price. And it's all about manipulating the dice pool so that when at the end of the round, when you roll all these giant pile of dice and start assigning the dice back to each stock, the price goes up or down. Hmm. And it's, it's as simple as that. And except for, Instead of having money, the way you make money is to short the stock, which is kind of the part that was a little hard to think of it sometimes. But what that really means is you're buying stock, however shorting works, right? You buy it at a higher price, hoping it goes down. You're so, you're borrowing money to buy at a high price. There you go. That's exactly it. So someone like you would have been super helpful for us. <laughs> yeah. Anitra crushes me at games that involve like kind of abstract logic. But I'm yeah. good at the procedural stuff. Yeah. So I, I like economic games, but I'm terrible at them because I mm-hmm. understand what's going on, but I can't make it happen. <laughs> yeah. It, it was wild because at any point, I mean, you, you do have money. Money's your points. But at any point, you can just like take stock. And when you take the stock, you get whatever it's worth, but they have to pay it back, which I guess is like you said, the borrow. Yeah. So you're trying to take the stock when it's valuable. And then you're hoping later on that it's not valuable anymore because you have to pay it all back. So like there's the whole push and pull of the game is – you know, like the idea that you're you're trying to drive a stock up that you have a lot of. You're trying to put stock away that that you have short on the on your negative mm-hmm. side. My only complaint would be, or drawback would not complaint, it's a drawback would be that inherently in stock games, somebody's getting hosed, right? Yes. Because somebody has bought in a stock that they want to go up, and everyone else forces it down to their benefit. So, you know, with we played with five, and it worked very well with five. Played about an hour, and you know, one player in particular just really. Didn't have a very good time because whatever they were into just kept getting pounded and it to everyone else's benefit. Sure. And that just, that tends to happen in those kind of games. So yeah. buyer beware in that sense. But otherwise I know it's brand new. Like it just came out in the last month or so oh, wow. and it was pretty darn fun though. I mean, it's got, you know, kind of just cutesy cartoon stuff, you know, like bears and bowl kind of art, but it's really just a stock game where each round the stock has a, you know, kind of variable way it goes up and down. So it's, it's good. That's cool. And the name is is sort of an inside joke in that, too, because I was looking it up on Google. The term bear raid is 
when one or more investors try to push the price of a stock down because they're short selling it. Okay. So for people who already know that, they're like, oh, so that's what you do in this game. Okay. Oh, this is so smart. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that until just now. (laughs) That's funny. You know, the only other thing that I have on my list is once again, pretty different from everything else that we've played. And it is Love Letter Batman. Yeah. So a friend gave this to us fairly recently uh, saying, hey, your kids like Batman um, and I don't want to just put this in a garage sale. So why don't you guys take it? I was like, "Okay, sure. I mean, it's just normal love letter. Love letter with a Batman theme. Yeah, that's Um, all. But I had to push the kids to learn it because they're like, oh, this is how you know we're board game reviewers. Our our kids are like, oh, is this a game we have to review? Do we have to play this game? And I'm like, look, (laughs) no strings attached. And it's going to take five minutes. Come on, guys. Yeah. They're so-so on it. I, I think the the love letter mechanic where there's just not a lot that you can do in a game and it's really easy to get knocked out before even having a turn is a little frustrating. But that said, I like how quickly it moves and, again, how little space it takes up. So, you know, it sat in my purse and came out at a restaurant recently. <laughs> As I was saying about you the know, price like you yeah, do. Yep, yep, yep. And that's it. I It's been... Um, I'm doing... I can't talk about it now uh, yet. Uh, I am working with a board game company on a top secret web project right now. So that's eating up a lot of And it's eating time. up a lot of my time. And it's mm-hmm. like board games and programming at once, which what? is my work and my hobby. And so it's like actually interesting and fun and I'm getting paid to do it. So that's what I've been doing instead of playing board games lately. (laughs) I'm going to just give a real quick overview of three more. I know, I know. What? But three more because this past weekend I sat down with each of our kids and said, hey, pick a game. I just want to play a game with you. Pick whatever you want. So that's that's why I have to, I have to say three because each one of them picked a different one. Okay. Anitra is the perfect mom. I mean, let's just throw that out there. All of us board game dads agree. <laughs> so our oldest picked Dice Throne, and she stomped me as the Seraph, because that's one of her favorites. But that's fine. I enjoy playing it. Not as much as she does, but it's fine. I like it. Dice Throne, I think, is making a comeback amongst our children. And Well, and they, they know we kickstarted the Marvel yes, version. The so. comeback will be strong yes. when we have the Marvel mm-hmm. sets. But for now, it's slowly working its way back into the rotation. Our middle child asked me to play Royal Visit with him. So he's caught the bug for that now, too. We only so good. We only got Royal Visit. It's an older game, but we only got it a month ago, six weeks ago, something like that. And Andrew and I and our middle child are all like, yes, let's play again. Because it's two players, it's fairly quick, and it's this great push and pull back and forth of, you know, I want the king. No, I want the king. Well, maybe if I get the wizard, I don't care if you have the king because now I'm moving the crown order to my side. Oh, I I remember this game. It's an old Kinesia. That's a great game. Yes, it is. It was was republished recently by Yellow, so it's pretty easy to find again. Recently-ish. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it went out of fashion, but uh, your local, friendly local game store will probably have it. It's very colorful. <laughs> yes. It's not a huge box, but it's very colorful and, and definitely does stand out yeah. on the shelf. And it's not a huge box, but even so, it makes for a halfway decent travel game if you take it out of the box because it's mm-hmm. five wooden figures, a little deck of cards, and then this little cloth play mat. Got it. I think I played the old Real Grand version, which was not an attractive package. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was different. Fair enough. 
Times Square, I think maybe it's a different theme, but same game. Mm. Yeah, this rendition. I mean, I'm not writing home to anybody about the art in this game. It's serviceable. It does the job, but just generally the whole package, like it's it's good enough. It's nice all together. Yeah. 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 On the flip side, something with excellent table presence and package is the third game on my list, which is Blockness. Uh, so our youngest asked me to play that and then roped in his older brother at the same time. But we had a great time playing Blockness. Uh, it was actually the first time for our youngest. I thought he had played it before, oh, he never but played I was before? wrong. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so he had, it was really interesting to watch him figure out Blockness is this game where you're setting down these big plastic pieces being loops of a lake monster like Nessie. And you're looping over and over the other monsters to see who can gain supremacy and take over the most of the lake, which is represented by who can place the most pieces of their monster. The the most Hmm. above the surface. The most loops above the surface. Yeah. Yeah. And it almost, the end game almost feels like kind of like snake or something like that, where you're trying to just carve out a space where you can continue to to grow because you sort of start out low but your pieces progressively get higher because you have to start looping over other things right you're only allowed to loop over other things you're never allowed to go underneath so sometimes especially when playing with younger children i see a lot of like let's put out some of the biggest pieces first and they cut the play field in half almost immediately and i'm like oh no (laughs) you're taking away all the spaces (laughs) but it's a great game and it The toy factor on this one is real high, but they did a great job. It's very sturdy, and it all puts away nicely, easily in the box, which I like as a mom. Mm -hmm. So it all fits together nicely, and it was really great to play with a seven-year-old and show him how it works. And I think he'll be ready to play again, but maybe not with his big brother. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a surprise. Um, so do you have any other things that you've been playing recently or just those two? Pretty much, yeah. I think just uh, I'm going to give a quick shout out to one of my all-time favorites I got to play this weekend, uh, Rococo. Oh, yeah. Is nice. just just a great game. So, But that uh, that, that was it. We had a, I actually had a buddy in town, so we got to play some games nice. on Saturday, so that was fun. So did you play the old Rococo or the new Rococo? The old Rococo. I do okay. not uh, – I own the old Rococo. And I, while the new one looks super pretty, I did not indulge. I just kept with my classic version. Oh, look at you and your discipline as a board game purchaser. (laughs) (laughs) Very impressive work. Uh, All right. Well, why don't we do this? We're going to take a quick break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk about Motor City Gameworks. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of amazing games from Matt Riddle and probably, usually, mostly also Ben Pitchback. (laughs) Yes. All right. We'll be right back. are the wizard's new apprentices, and you must find the long-lost Moonstones. With the help of a trusty moon cat, you will solve mysteries, help characters, and learn about the Kingdom of Summer and the Winter Empire. This is a snap review for Kids Chronicles Quest for the Moonstones. Quest of the Moonstones is an app-driven board game from Lucky Duck Kids. It was designed by David Sicurell, and it was modeled on his Chronicles of Crime series, which we've previously reviewed. The box says it's best for ages 7 and up, and that a quest should take about 30 to 45 minutes to play. And we've got our 7-year-old here to help us review it. Yes, we do. Elliot, what do you think of the art in Kids Chronicles? 
I think it's really good mm -hmm. in that when you look into the iPad or whatever you're using, the art is literally identical to the cards. I mostly love the art too. The character and item cards really set the tone for this kid-friendly fantasy adventure. It's whimsical and full of detail, and you quickly find out that even the sternest, meanest looking creatures aren't really that scary. They just need a little bit of love. My only real complaint is that the 3D scenes on the app aren't really 3D. They're more like being wrapped in a 360 degree painting. Um, with the characters just kind of superimposed on it. Anitra, how do you play Quest for the Moonstones? Well, you need the game board and the cards, but also the mobile app. Once you've downloaded it, it doesn't need an internet connection or anything like that. Open up the app, pick the quest you're going to do. It'll tell you which side of the board to use, as well as a location and some background information to get you started. All of this is done through text with just a couple of images. So reading is fairly important here. So what you'll do is you'll scan the QR code for the location and find yourself transported to a 3D rendering in the app. This is that 360 degree picture we talked about. You look for characters and you look for items in the location and you tell other players what you see there. Then you can search for all the cards that represent those characters. That's the art that Elliot was talking about. And you can pull them out and lay them on the board. But don't worry, the app is going to kind of hint at what you're looking for, too, after you finish looking at the scene. What kinds of things does it tell you, Elliot? It's like you are speaking with Nils. And then, it's, and then Nils is like, I saw two people and one object at the lake. You can then ask those people questions about items or other known characters. Maybe you'll find some more information. Sometimes you'll even be able to give a character an item that they want, or a location will give you an option to use items in a special way. For example, a lantern might allow you to light up an area. We filled a bucket with water in our last mission. There we go. If you want to go to a new location, just say goodbye if you're talking to somebody and scan the location you want to go to on the board. When you fulfill your quest goals, a character will ask you a series of questions about the mission you just did. Scan cards that you have to answer those questions the best you can, and then find out the complete story and get your next moonstone. So, Andrew, what did we expect about this game? Well, when we first heard about this game, we had already played... Chronicles of Crime, and so we were really, really excited about this technology. We expected it to be a family game with little kid emphasis. App-driven play should allow for younger kids to feel a little bit more immersed in the story, and players get to make special decisions to drive the story forward, repeat conversations, or explore a location over and over again. I also knew that this kind of hybrid approach was going to be super cool and exciting for our kids to be able to examine 3D scenes. We were really surprised at how well Quest for the Moonstones fits as a kid-focused implementation of that play system that was introduced in Chronicles of Crime. Scanning the QR codes has been made really, really kid-friendly. You can set the app to either auto-scan or require a press and hold on the screen, which makes it harder to scan the wrong card by accident. I also love that there's no time pressure. Elliot has plenty of time to look around in the scenes and try to find whatever he wants, and we can sit there and we can talk about new strategies that we want to do. The game tries to balance storytelling with allowing players to make their own observations. So sometimes the next step is really obvious, even for a much younger kid than Elliot. But sometimes it's really not. Have we been stuck before? Hey, you don't say. <laughs> Thankfully, your trusty Mooncat friend, what's his name? 
Nope. <laughs> is always available to give you hints when you scan their QR code. There is a lot of reading here. It's not a problem for our kids. All of our kids can read, but struggling readers will benefit from having an adult to help them through the larger blocks of text. But we can definitely say from our experience that kids can play with adults with no problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Would we recommend this game? Well, this guy right here, our seven-year-old Elliot, has really enjoyed Quest of the Moonstones. Who have you played this game with? Um, I've played it with you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I've played it with my older brother. Mm-hmm. And my grandma. Yep. The story is engaging enough for adults. It's interesting. And older kids, so that they won't get bored, although maybe they'll wish it went a little bit faster, but that's part of playing games with family sometimes. We would recommend Kids Chronicles Quest for the Moonstones for families with kids in this six to eight-year-old range. They're going to find it very engaging. Older kids by themselves are not going to love it, and younger kids are going to struggle. But that is the perfect age range for this game. You can even have adults do some of the reading, and the kids do a lot of the control of the app itself. Yes. Well, with that age range in mind, let's ask our seven-year-old, Elliot... What should we rate Quest for the Moonstones? Four out of five Moonstones, of course. <laughs> All right. And that's Kids Chronicles Quest for the Moonstones. In, in a, a snap. snap. And we're back. We are here with Matt Riddle, one of our favorite game designers. Truly one of our favorite game designers. So I need to think back. Matt, do you know how many games you've published? Uh, I'm going to say 15 because it's a round number, but it's probably maybe one or two more than that, though a few of them are you know relatively kind of minor, small releases. So I'll say 15. That is a lot of games. Let's see. Oh, this only says notable games, so I don't even know if it's a complete list. Well, that's disappointing. Well, this list of notable games has 19 on it. So, so you have 19 notable games and some not so notable <laughs> games, apparently. Well, I mean, listen, they can't all be astronauts. Right. But you do, you do your best. <laughs> all right. So we're going to run down the list uh, all the way back in 2012. Was Fleet your first published game? Because it's the first one on this notable list. It was. It was the first game we ever designed, actually. So Wow. wow. Yeah. All those games are with Ben. Ben and I designed exclusively together. We actually have a third partner now, Adam Hill, who work, is working with us from basically – Three Sisters. He didn't design Three Sisters, but he's part of our company. But the next game, Motor City and On, he's part of our team. But yeah, Ben came to me at work, whatever it was, 10 years ago now, more than 10 (laughs) years ago, and said, hey, we're going to design a game. I'm like, okay, cool. And uh, that was Fleet. That was our first uh, first go at it. So so did you work together before you designed games together? Yeah, I've known Ben since we were 13. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, Yeah, we grew up together. I mean, I'm a little bit, a couple years older than him. His brother's actually a year older than me. So between his brother, me, and him, we were all within three or four years of each other. We went to the same college, Mm, uh, Michigan Tech, both both engineers, and then actually began to work together probably 2006, maybe. But I've known him since, yeah, literally we were friends. That's crazy. So since you were friends with his older brother, do you ever just give him noogies for old time's sake? Or? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I was actually, I became friends with his older brother after college, oddly enough. <laughs> we, were, we were all kind of, compa- you know, we all grew up together, but yeah, they, uh, they're awesome. They're a good family. <laughs> That's funny. That's so funny. All right. Well, back to the list. So yeah. Fleet being your first game, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's some other kind of Fleet related things in here. What is Eggs and Empires? You know, Eggs and Empires is... Are you guys, are you all familiar with For Sale? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Oh, great. Okay. So For Sale is my favorite filler game. 
by far. I love it. Okay. And I went to Ben and said, hey, I have this idea. Let's just do the second half of for sale, but all the cards will have crazy powers. So <laughs> like the, my favorite power is three beats eight. Well, have you played uh, Campy Creatures? I know the game. I haven't played it, okay. but I know, I know what it's it is. It's very much Eggs and Empires. They were very inspired by it. Okay. It's a little more popular than Exit Empire, so that's you play it. <laughs> but yeah, so it's very much a it's it's very much that second half of for sale where you're doing the blind bidding. So it's like one, <laughs> two, three, everyone flips the card out, and mm-hmm. then you've got a row of scoring cards in the middle, and then you just resolve, right? Usually highest number wins, but you know, in this case everyone has the same deck of ten, matching cards one through ten, and okay. they all have powers. It's like, you know, nines all cancel. Again, three beats eight, you know, six steals a card. Like there's and it's just it's actually it's been compared, oddly enough, uh, you referenced it earlier. It's kind of love lettery in the sense that, like, it's just you play one card at a time. Yeah, sure, move pretty sure. quick. Yep, you know? yep, yep. All right, cool. Um, let's see. Going, coming back through here. It's, it's funny. There are some intellectual properties here that line up with some games that we played, but not, these are not the games that we've played. Yeah. <laughs> so you made a Back to the Future game in 2016. We did. So Back to the Future and Goonies were both 2016, and they were both kind of early on in the intellectual property um, movement that we're all kind of in now. Yeah, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. would say, you know, if I'm being 100% honest, Back to the Future wasn't our best design. It's a pretty good game, but it's not a game that meets the Back to the Future requirement. Like, if you're a fan okay. and not necessarily a board gamer, you're not going to feel Back to the Future when you play it. And I think sure. we learned a lot on that, honestly, as designers. Because Goonies, on the other hand, while much harder to get, frankly, because publisher stuff, was much more, I mean, again, as thematic as you can be with a card game, but it's a card game, but it was very much, you know, it had, had a feel of working together and exploring and doing the things that you would want to do as a Goonie. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. There's another game that came out in 2016 that we actually have played. There is. Uh, that, it, and it and, is, and it's even came out from a publisher that we've already talked about. It, it mm-hmm. did. <laughs> uh, that would be Cow, Tiger, Santa Claus. It is sitting yes. in the center console of our car right yeah, now. It is the one game that literally lives in our car. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Mine too. That's what that was for. We, uh, Jason, you know, is a fantastic guy that runs mm-hmm. Button Shy. And we kind of said, hey, we had this idea. And it's this game that Ben's been playing for years, kind of just made, it was Cow Tiger Santa Claus, but like we can make a game out of it by adding more cards. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's so pure. It's like, it, it just, it's just a family game that just kind of got a little expanded and maybe codified a little bit. And, and now it's like something real. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, let's see some more stuff. Wasteland Express Delivery Service, uh, which I'm familiar with. I've never played. Ladder 29 from Green Couch Games. Green Couch Games. Yep, we yep. we uh, have played that one. Yeah, we yep. played that one a fair bit. Yep. We had that at one point. And then we get into the game that stole my heart. Not Peep Mots, which is, is also 2018, but Fleet the Dice Game. Oh, Fleet the Dice Game. <laughs> Before I played Fleet the Dice Game, I didn't like Rolling Rights. He was like, I, I mean... Kind of the way I am with heavy games, where he's like, "I'll play it with you if you really want me to," but yeah. I, just rolling rights are not my thing. And then he played Fleet the Dice game. He played it somewhere away from home, and he brought. He's like, "I found a rolling right I like. You've got to play it." I'm like, yeah. "Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you?" Uh, a friend of mine who um, he does a lot of work with Portal, the Portal game store down in, in Manchester, Connecticut. Uh, he does a lot of work with the Dice Tower. Brant Sanderson. He does the Portal game cast, some other stuff. Oh yeah, Brant. I know Brant's awesome. So. Brant and I were college roommates. Oh, wow. And we we just like we went our own separate ways after college. And I I was working a New York toy fair back in 2018, maybe something like that. 
I was helping out at the Fox Mine booth and I heard a voice and I recognized his voice 15 years after we graduated yeah. college. <laughs> And he looked like a completely different human being. I mean, it's I still mean, him. I mean, you kind of do terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. And so we rekindled our relationship 15 years later. And now we talk, you know, weekly. Like, and least. by the way, board games. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. And we're not, we're not, yeah, it's it's crazy. But anyway, Brant was the one who actually introduced me to Fleet the Dice Game. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is what he said. He said, the best thing about Fleet the Dice Game is that the answer is almost always yes. Yeah. Can I do this? Yes. Do I get to do this? Yes. And <laughs> on its face, it's like such a ridiculous thing to say. But the more you think about it, it's true. <laughs> All right. Like other than you can't use your stars to get more coins. The answer is pretty much almost always yes. And that just makes the game incredibly fun. Yeah, it is it very much has been, you know, our most popular game the last few years for sure since Fleet probably. And what's wild, it's actually a really good description because it's almost too much. Like you almost go, okay, you know, like yeah. Sometimes you you do like four things in a row and you pause and you're like, okay, then I'm you know, and I admit, right? There's an aspect of missing something sometimes, which I totally mm-hmm. understand, right? Mm-hmm. Three, Three Sisters has that, and Motor City will have that too, because it's just the nature of that that series. And you know, it was a really fine line for us when we were designing it, even to make sure, like, you know, where's the line. You know, because it's fun to get, it's fun to go pop, 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 and, and feel like you're doing things. But at some point, you, you you go too far, and you know, people start losing track, or their ears start smoking. Yeah. So we had to, you know, we really <laughs> made sure that we worked really hard to get that to the point where it was, you know, it felt good without being overwhelming. So. Right, and and I think that uh, I think it's close. Um, you know, this is a game that I play. So a friend of mine grew up on Cape Cod. And obviously the theme just like really resonates with him. So I played it with him and he fell in love with it and he bought a copy and he plays it with his daughters who are, how old are his kids? Um, They're both under 10. They're like 10 and maybe like eight and 10 or something like that. And his his girls play this game. And I'm like, I don't, we have a seven year old and I'm like, he is not a year away from playing fleet. So I don't know how they do it, but they play and I'm sure they're missing stuff, but it doesn't matter. It, yeah, like it, yeah, it really yeah. just because doesn't matter because the game fun. is so fun. Yeah, and I, I will give you some credit. We got a chance to play Three Sisters um, since you mentioned it before. Oh, surprise, Anitra! I have already bought it. Hey, <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> but yeah, we got a chance to play Three Sisters, yeah. and we really liked it. And I will say personally, I actually found it a little bit more intuitive in some ways than Fleet the Dice Game, mm. even though it's a little bit more complicated. So. I want. I actually want to ask about Three Sisters in a sec, but I, but the reason why I brought it up is because I want to say I noticed that you added a very small section on one of the sheets in Three Sisters for a little scratch pad. Yes, <laughs> we did. I appreciate that, which we appreciate very very much. We talked about that when we were playing. Um, so, but yeah, so I definitely want to take a couple of minutes. Uh, so there's some other stuff on here. Um, there was a Rick and Morty games game on here. Um, Stellar. I didn't realize you guys designed Stellar. Legend of Sleepy Hollow. So just an incredible array of games, all different genres, all different stuff, really just kind of speaks to your breadth as a designer, which I think is remarkable. Thank you. Let's 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 take a couple of minutes to really talk about Three Sisters. So we've talked about Fleet the Dice Game a million times on the show. People know how we feel about this game. This is one of a few games that we've actually laminated the sheets for so we didn't have to run out. And there's there's a lot of things in Three Sisters other than the theme being gardening instead of catching fish that are a little bit different, especially the Rondell board. Can you kind of talk about it a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So we 
definitely approached Three Sisters, and we part of that was the idea that we were going to do this Motor City GameWorks thing, and we knew you know that we had been around for a while and certainly designed some games, but Fleet Dice was far and away our current popular game. We said, well, why don't we see if we can build off of that a little bit, and not just the design, frankly, but really the fact that people like Fleet Dice and leverage that to say, if we're going to do our own thing, let's do it in a way that allows us to you know use Fleet Dice, but also support Fleet Dice's future by saying, hey, here's other games that you might want, and you can go backwards and buy Fleet Dice if you discover Three Sisters first. Oh, by the mm-hmm. way, don't forget mm-hmm. about Fleet Dice. And that was the idea behind kind of continuing this series of loaded rolling rights. So Three Sisters was absolutely built off the DNA of Fleet Dice. Like we 100% you know, with intent, said, okay, we're going to take Fleet Dice. We're not going to make it more complicated, but we're definitely going to make it more... We wanted to evolve the draft in particular, which is really where the rondelle came from. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. So, yeah, the idea behind that was, if we know that we really like the simplicity of the Fleet Dice draft, but that there could be something unique and cool there if we kind of change what we do a little bit. And honestly, that idea for the Three Sisters draft was very much... You know, there's a lot of dice games that do that sort of roll dice and sort. You know, Ispahan, Grand Austria Hotel, yep. you know, there's plenty more. I even like Sagrada uh, does that for their dice it draft. It does a little bit. Yep, yeah. absolutely. 100%. You know, and, and the key for Three Sisters, you know, for those that maybe haven't played it, there's a garden area and there's like an everything else. And the garden, there's not powers and abilities in the garden. It's just growing your corn, your beans, and your pumpkins. And then they get you goods and points and things like that. And the, everything else is like the buildings and the powers and the, you know, things like you have the that you earn bonuses and things like that. So we wanted to make sure that we had a way to let you work in the garden and work towards powers at the same time. That's what really what drove the mm-hmm. rondelle because you choose a die and the number on the die goes to your garden and then the place that you chose the die from goes to the we'll say the rest of your sheet. So that was kind of the theory behind the rondelle was to get a way to have that duplicity in your action selection so that it was doing mm-hmm. two things. So there was a, a bit of a you know sort of a push and a pull on am I taking the action I want? Am I getting the number that I want? Can I make it work together? You know, and it feels really good when you've got a you know say a perfect draw where you want the number and the action. So yeah. that was really you know kind of the impetus behind getting that space. And then the rondelle is just a nice way to get a somewhat repeatable. And we'll say planable action selection, right? Because you know the dice are going to work around the rondelle. So you can you kind of know what's coming the next round because, you know, unless you roll, you know, Yahtzee, you're going to have some spread. So you can have a pretty good idea yeah. of what actions you'll have available, you know, the, the following rounds. So you can plan ahead a little bit too. And it does, kind of like you said, like, unless you have a really weird roll, I mean, you're going to have a little bit of that spread. But there's also, there's something a little bit more fixed with having those that action selection there because with the dice – you really could get stuck mm-hmm. and not have anything that's fi- – it's not like there's a commitment in something like in Fleet, uh, the dice game, where, you know, you always know that there will be at least one wharf available and one, you know, uh, so – You have no idea. We've definitely played games of, of Fleet Dice where, especially when it comes to not the fish, but the places. Yeah, the, the places um, stuff. And it gets rolled and everybody at the table groans because nobody <laughs> wants any of them. Right, right. So, yeah. so yep. it's, it's almost like not to – you know, cross genres here, but it's almost like it kind of anchors the round. That was not an intentional pun, but it was the best <laughs> word I could come up with. I'm sorry to a set of actions, but also yep. the stuff that's on the dice. And I that's actually cool. like that. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, it kind of grounds too. the game a little bit. There, a ground, ground, ground. It ground. grounds it's there. the game. better. Both genres. I've done it. I've done both. I did it. Puns <laughs> in both games. <laughs> but anyway, we've talked a lot about Fleet. We have played Three Sisters. We really enjoyed it uh, enough that I went and and bought a copy. 
which I can't wait I'm to get. I'm not excited about. <laughs> I mean, I think you knew we were going to get it. But anyway, why don't you, you mentioned it before. Um, I want to kind of close with talking about uh, Motor City Gameworks. What is yeah. that? And we saw, so we, we hung out with Bob Crowell uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he had a prototype of Motor City, the game. Oh, okay. And he said something like, yeah, it's a lot like Fleet. But I didn't see enough of it to like really get that. And so you were talking, you mentioned Motor City Gameworks as you and Ben and also Adam. And so like, what's the deal there? And, and yeah. especially what's Motor City? Because I think it's signed, but I don't really know anything about it. Yeah, no, no, no. So Motor City Gameworks is our own, you know, we decided, you know, kind of after Fleet Dice and a few other games that we wanted to, you know, you, I guess you could call it boutique publishing, right? We've got no intention of being Asmodee or Eagle Griffin or anything along those lines. <laughs> we wanted to be able to do, you know, maybe a game a year that was our design, our control. You know, we we run the process, we do the art, we, you know, we pick, you know, the manufacturer, we take care of the freight, you know, we run, we do all the business stuff. Oh, okay. We get it over here, we use Kickstarter, we fulfill our Kickstarter backers, and when that's done, if there's life for retail, then we'll arrange that. So mm-hmm. that was the plan. And and that's what so what we decided to do, frankly, was we wanted to, again, sort of build off of Fleet Dice and say, we're going to focus on a series of games that we call loaded roll and rights, which are really just strategic roll and rights. And that's really what the kind of the space that we want to design uh, in for Motor City Gameworks. So Motor City Gameworks is myself and Ben and Adam Hill. And it's our company. We do everything. It's it's all it's all us. So <laughs> so one one loaded roll and write a year. That's the plan. Do you just have a subscription model? Can we just sign up for it? Or? That's, that's that's what we're hoping. <laughs> I mean, right now it's we're gonna you know use Kickstarter at least one more time. Uh-huh. We consider Fleet Dice to be the first, even though it wasn't our game, our company. But mm-hmm. you know, so Three Sisters was our first game. Motor City is actually on Kickstarter next week, March 8th. Oh, well, there you go, everybody. Yeah. So, um, How timely. <laughs> I know it's, it's coming fast. So we, you know, that'll be game three of the loaded roll and write series. And I would say three sisters certainly built off of fleet dice in the sense that you could feel the DNA. I don't yeah. think motor city feels like either of those games and except that it's a roll and write. Like people are always going to compare them because they're, heavy roll rights like people say like hadrian's wall isn't that or, or rar and right are all in that same class right <laughs> hadrian's wall being a little heavier even okay but. so i i decided i wasn't <laughs> going to mention hadrian's wall because i've talked about it for the last two shows but but as someone who has is a self-avowed fan of heavy euros who, yeah. who creates loaded rolling rights yeah what do you think maybe this is for dr michael what do you think of hadrian's wall i like it mm-hmm. so i i will say i played it for the first time this summer and really enjoyed it. It is an incredibly difficult teach. It takes a lot to get through that rule book. As it turns out, we learned after the fact that the designer was actually inspired by Fleet Dice. So <laughs> kind of like he was That's he, funny. Yeah, he's from New Zealand and he he liked the Fleet Dice and the heavy rolling rights and like That's tremendous. Made his own and comes around. It, and it's wow. so much heavier than Fleet Dice. <laughs> it really, it really, 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 really is. I, I decided after playing it one time that yeah. I loved it and I will never buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, I mean, once you play it once, like any other game like that, right, it gets easier. I would say that it's a little bit, I'm going to use the word looser. Looser is not the right word. The primary difference in my mind between, say, it and Fleet Dice is that like you mentioned with fleet fleet sometimes things aren't just going to roll you're just not going to see like you're going to go all in on shrimp and shrimp's going to stop rolling <laughs> mm-hmm. can, you know in hadrian's wall you have access to all the resources you need it's just how you want to use them yep. right so 
that's you know which honestly is a little bit more like three sisters where you've got a pretty good access to everything it's just you have to decide a lot as you go how to use them so mm-hmm. you know they're mm-hmm. they're all valid design types they're just a little bit different no i super right. like adrian's wall but he that's and that's funny because those are really you know we wanted to kind of focus in on this line of games these loaded rolling rights so as i began to say uh motor city is a departure in the sense that it doesn't really feel like Fleet Dice because it's its own game. It's a little more, I'll say, Euro-y. Probably more adjacent to Hadrian's Wall than, you know, Fleet Dice for Three Sisters. But again, still within that, it's still, you know, combo-tastic is everyone's favorite word now. You know, has the com- has yes. the combo, exactly. Pull the combos off, do the <laughs> thing. It's got a whole new dice draft with a whole new, it's got this, it's almost like a blueprint table in the middle where you pull dice from and it triggers mm. all these bonuses and stuff. So it, it's it's pretty exciting. We're, you know, we're, we're going to keep doing this. We've got the next couple designed already. So, you know, like you said, every hopefully once a year we'll be here and uh, right. I like it. Hopefully people come back. I just want to cool. say anytime I hear the word combotastic, mm-hmm. I in my head I hear it in Did you ever play the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game? Absolutely. That I hear it like that combotastic. You know the yeah. way that Oh, that, I, I hear I, it. That's the narrator voice. I, I hear it like almost like King Candy from Wreck-It Okay, like, sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I could see that. I could see like that. Like that slight bit of craziness in the in the you just voice. just another excuse to get Alan Tudyk into the show. Huh? I mean, I do, I do like <laughs> Alan Tudyk's voice. Um, well, that's okay. That's I, really cool. I'm gonna ask. You can say uh, no comment, but like, what's what's the next one after Motor City? Yeah, no. So we have a couple we're choosing from. It's probably going to be French Quarter. Oh, okay. So it's modern day New Orleans, uh, specifically. You know, kind of just exploring New Orleans and the second lines that happen if you're in New Orleans. There's always a wedding in the middle of the street and they march down the streets and they play the music. And it's really about, you know, kind of just experiencing the French Quarter, participating in the second line. And um, it's a little, again, a different from any of the other three. Probably a little sure. less. The combos aren't driven by like free actions like they are in Fleet Dice and Three Sisters. They're driven by how you choose to kind of move around the French Quarter space. So... It's, it's 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 cool and we have one called durango as well that we're working on that one is a little bit of a departure thematically it's old west so we may uh work with a different publisher on that one may not do that one in-house hmm. so we'll cool see. all right neat uh, i'm on board you know where to find me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome i think that that probably pretty much does it i mean matt thank you so much for coming on the show and and talking with us about motor city game works and kind of your history as a designer and all sorts of cool stories about where hadrian's wall came from and you know, <laughs> knowing knowing ben for i don't know a million years or, or whatever no it's been an absolute blast to have you on the show thank you i i know i super appreciate you know having me on and you know i i really enjoy getting to talk about motor city gamers it's been a heck of an experience. I mean, I didn't know. It's a little bit like work sometimes because <laughs> you are running a business. And it's not all the fun stuff yep. you know, once you get uh, yep. the design of the game. But no, I, I love talking about it. I am super happy to be doing it. So it's cool. And for everybody uh, who's listening, so this show is coming out on Monday, the 7th, which means that when you're hearing this, if you're hearing this today, it comes out tomorrow, Motor City hits Kickstarter. So g- go over to Kickstarter, search for Motor City or Motor City Gameworks, and take a look at the newest roll and write from Matt Riddle and Ben Pinchback. Thank you. All right. I will be on that I'm page. I'm sure you will. Probably, uh, you know, Tuesday morning. That's my guess. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> During my first exciting meeting well, of the day. <laughs> I'm going to have one last question before we oh, go okay. out, yes. which is we do very much enjoy uh, your roll and writes and 
Andrew is now addicted, apparently, and we'll just buy them all. But again, this is a family show. And yeah. we talked about some of your lighter games. Uh, we didn't even mention Subastral, uh, which we oh, reviewed we and we really liked. Oh, it uh, wasn't on the list. That's why. It wasn't on the notable list. Yeah, we think it's notable. Yes. It's a great, uh, relaxing fix, that. end of the game, end of the night, like just chill game that we really enjoy. Thank you. It's got some really unique mechanics, but they're not hard to explain, which makes it an excellent family game, in our opinion, you know, or a chill game where it's like, oh, hey, sit down. Like, here's how you play cards. Here's how you pick up cards and go. Yep. But because of that, I also want to ask, I know that these loaded roll and rights can't be all you're doing. Please yeah. tell me you're also still coming up with more lightweight family filler kind of games. I love card games. Card games will always, always, always be my first love. I mean, I grew up, I'm a Midwestern kid. I grew up playing Euchre, Poker, and like I referenced earlier, right? Some of the silly card games you play with your aunts and uncles at Mm -hmm. family events. So we will always, always be designing card games. I think, you know, the last couple we've designed have been a little heavier. You know, Pete Motts and then and Stellar and Sebastian, though, certainly is, you know, on the lighter end, which we're super, that's the game now. People always ask, like, you know, if I'm somewhere and someone says, oh, you design games, well, what should I look for? I always say Sebastian now, because it's by far the the game that would be, if they're not necessarily a gaming family or gaming couple or gaming person, then that's when I think they can figure out and play and enjoy. So we would love to be in that space again. You know, we actually, that's kind of a mini line, like Stellar, Sebastian, they're both from Renegade. We had yeah. we want to do a third game in the water, like because it's been space, earth, and we want to go one more down. So okay. we frankly have to just design it. <laughs> and <laughs> we we had some ideas that have never quite worked. That's you know that's kind of Ben and I's own side project, separate from Adam. But you know we uh, you know we we're pretty picky on ourselves. If I'm being honest, like we're kind of hard on ourselves during the, the design process. So you know, we really want to make sure we get it right, and it's been. Uh, the last couple of years being what they are for everybody, yeah. it's been yeah. a little harder for us to be as productive as we had been. So that's why, you know, it's, it's something that's been taking a little bit of time, but yeah, we definitely want to keep working in that space. I will say, I, I heard you, you know, you're talking about BGA earlier. One of my favorite little games we've ever designed actually is on BGA. Now it's called tiny farms and it's okay. just a super simple little, it actually would be a roll and write if it was real life, but it's a super simple little tile laying roll and write kind of thing. It's on BGA. It plays really fast. It's hard to get live games on BGA, but it's a good mm. little async game. And it was a PNP that we put out right at the beginning of pandemic just for folks to play with their families. And it's a super easy little PNP, but it's a fun game. That's nice. one of my favorite little, you know, it's a very, very, very light, fun little game. Neat. Awesome. I'm going to have to take a look at that one now. Yeah. yeah. That one sounds like right up your alley. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, uh, again, thank you so much for coming on the show and just chatting about games and stuff like that. Next Tuesday, everybody, Motor City Gameworks, Motor City hitting Kickstarter. Uh, Matt, where p- can people find you on the internet? Like uh, like on social media and wherever, yeah. where can people look for you? Yeah, primarily, uh, I'm always on BGG. It's at uh, I'm Ridlin, R-I-D-D-L-E-N. And then on Twitter, I am M-D Ridlin, so M-D-R-I-D-D-L-E-N. So either of those places, you know, I, I'm on, again, if you ask a question on BGG in any of our forums, I'll see it. I subscribe to all of our forums, send me a DM, <laughs> you know, tweet at me, whatever you want, and I'm happy to respond. If you check out uh, MotorCityGameworks.com, we've got links to the upcoming Kickstarter will be there. You know, we've got uh, some t-shirts and stuff. There's also a contact us. So if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on there, and that comes to me as well. So any of those works, all right. definitely respond. Awesome. Very cool. All right. Well, Anitra, where can people find us on the internet? 
well, we are on all kinds of social media uh, at Family Gamers AA. You can find us there on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, every once in a while on TikTok. Uh, we're too old for TikTok, but we try. Yeah. Uh, you can find our last, I don't know, 20-something now snap reviews on YouTube at The Family Gamers. You can also email us the most direct method to get a hold of us. You can email me, Andrew, at thefamilygamers.com. Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. You can leave a message in the Family Gamers Facebook community, and more than just the two of us will answer you. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we have a great community, over 500 people in there talking about games that they're playing with their kids, asking questions about recommendations for games. You can go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community. It'll bring you right in there, or you can just search for the Family Gamers community on Facebook. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, mm -hmm. tell your friends about the podcast, and tell strangers about the podcast by leaving us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. That's right. We're also on Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. And Pocket Cast. <laughs> <laughs> If you feel like wearing some play games with your kids t-shirts or hoodies or whatever, you should check out our merch store. Uh, easiest way to get there is thefamilygamers.com slash merch. Yep, it's the best. I wore my Family Gamers hoodie all day long today. It was yes, very comfortable. The Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com forward slash Family Gamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. Well, I think that's going to be it for us this week. Thanks right. again, Matt, for coming on the show. It has Thank been you. a pleasure. I had a great time. Thank you so much. All right. So um, until next week, everybody, play, play games, games with, with your kids. kids.